Hello, friends. Welcome to this week's episode of 30 Minute Thursdays, also known as 30 Mint, where I bring you my weekly dose of fresh ideas and insights that are helping me to perform at my best. From my favorite recovery hacks, training philosophies, and analyzed guest insights, I will come prepared each week in hopes that you can apply these snippets to your everyday life. Now, let's get to the show. If you like it, please like and subscribe so that you don't miss future episodes. And for the true fans, leave a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. This helps the show get discovered organically and helps me to continue to bring on amazing guests. Today, I will be covering how I improved my horrendous sleep patterns of the past to garner seven and a half hours average sleep, wake up alert, and ready for the day. In this episode, you can expect to hear about why sleep matters for performance, my old habits, the effects of blue light on sleep, what a sleep environment is, and my secret hack that helped me overhaul my patterns. I hope you enjoy the show. So sleep and performance really go hand in hand. And having grown up as a competitive skier, an athlete, someone who's been in a training hall my entire life, I really didn't value this until about four years ago. And in hindsight, I can't help but be discouraged at how much I was missing out on my performance in the sports that I love to do by not taking sleep seriously. Because maybe you were like me. You could stay up all night, wake up the next morning early, and go do a workout, or go to soccer practice, go to ski practice, go train, get on the mats, whatever. And you were able to do that. And so for me, my metric of whether or not I was getting enough recovery was always whether or not I could do the thing. So if I was able to show up and I was able to train, I just kind of assumed that my sleep was enough. But the information that has come out about sleep and its direct impacts on performance, as well as a couple key aspects of that is overwhelming. To not dive too much into the science, because I am not a sleep scientist, I am not a doctor, I'm just a trainer who's very invested in learning how to perform better. I'm going to leave the, the deep dive to Dr. Jennifer Martin, who I had on episode 37 of this podcast. I'm definitely going to be bringing her back because her knowledge and insights are immense and they literally changed my life. But there are a couple things that I feel comfortable saying that are just true. During sleep, we secrete growth hormone. We improve our memory recall. We improve our motor control and learning abilities, which is really important if you're strength training. If you're trying to master new movements, if you're trying to figure out new things, if you're a jiu-jitsu player and you're trying to get new things figured out for your game, sleep is an instrumental part of that because that's when your body cements new patterns and ideas in its head. So if you're never getting rest and you're trying to learn new movements and tactics, you're always at a disadvantage. Sleep helps build new neural pathways. And this last one is an extremely important component, especially for people that are trying to achieve some sort of weight management. Sleep is the most important regulator of two key hormones in weight loss, leptin and ghrelin. And to not get too much in the weeds, these two hormones are very important for hunger cues and your body regulating its natural weight. So if you want to hear more about those instances or those items, 
please visit episode 37 where I talk with Dr. Jennifer Martin. She's from the UCLA sleep department and she is completely knowledgeable on this subject and could talk about the science for days. Uh, getting to meet her and hear her speak really changed my life. I was fortunate enough to do a three-day seminar with her when I was working at Equinox as a tier X coach. And we were trying to implement this portion of our, our training outlook, which was really assessing three different pillars, movement, nutrition, and regeneration, sleep falling under this regeneration pillar, which is a big component of how people recover and are able to then show up to everything from family, relationships, jobs, athletic demands, hobbies. And so her three-day seminar was really a deep dive into what sleep does for us, why we should invest in figuring it out, and then the performance outcomes from doing so. In this seminar, I was just enthralled uh, with everything that she had to say. She made me feel totally okay about the fact that I wake up and go to the bathroom once every night. I, I used to wake up, be stressed that I was up, then be stressed that I have to go pee, then go to the bathroom, then be stressed about falling back to sleep. And this cycle of constantly being stressed and worried about not being able to rest made rest even harder. Her simply telling me that waking up to the bathroom is totally normal if it's once a night. That's completely fine. Just that peace of mind alone made me feel better about it. And I stopped worrying about it. And when you stop worrying about things, it's easier to fall back to sleep. It's not a cure-all, but most of the time that's the case. She also showed us that there's a lot of debate over average sleep hours. How much does every person need? Are there outliers? Yes, there are outliers. Some people don't actually require as much sleep as other people, but they are outliers. The majority of people do require a certain amount of sleep. And at the time that I took this seminar, and the reason I want to have her back on is because I know new information has come out since then, but the special marker was about seven and a half hours of sleep below which all-cause mortality increases. So things like coronary artery disease, heart disease, heart failure, diabetes, any kind of metric increased as these people that were studied had less total sleep average over their life in the studies that they referenced. So increasing the total amount of time you sleep has a huge health payout and longevity. In addition to the fact, and I can only say this from experience, and again, all of these are opinions, you feel the difference in everything you do when you start to sleep better. And when you start to sleep better, you're also paying attention to how you feel when you are or are not resting. And that has a big impact on your ability to perform. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about how I used to sleep and see how many of you feel the way that I did. Typically, I would have zero thoughts about sleep other than maybe going to bed when I was tired. I had no effort or intention around going to bed at a certain time. I only woke up if I had to get to work, and that changed. I used to work a graveyard shift at Enterprise. That was a crazy schedule. Uh, I would always try to have clients roughly the same time, but still there was variance. So sometimes I would wake up later. Sometimes I would sleep in. Sometimes I would wake up earlier. Some nights I couldn't sleep, so I was up anyway. It was just chaos. I would sit in my bed on my phone, just doom scroll forever. If I wasn't on my phone, I would usually be watching a movie on my computer. If I wasn't watching a movie on the computer, I was probably in the living room with my roommates watching a movie there. So there was no, no intent that I was about to get ready to go to sleep. I tried reading, but I didn't really care. 
or it would be the weekend and I was out late or I was being social with friends. I was coming home super late. And then I was making up for that by sleeping way into the afternoon. I mean, my, my friends and roommates used to make fun of me all the time because I'd sleep till noon, till one, till two. I mean, straight through. So if you looked at my sleep patterns, they were horrible. They weren't even patterns. They were just uh, that I needed to sleep. So my body did it sometimes. After I went to Dr. Martin, I really started to look at what was I doing? At that point, I was training clients every morning at either 5.30 in the morning or 6 in the morning. I had no, no intent around when I went to sleep. Again, it was usually electronics in bed to fall asleep. I would get up, I would go to work, and I would make coffee before I went, and then I would have a Celsius when I got to work, which is like another basically 175 milligrams of caffeine in the drink. Then I would train my clients. Then I would work out, train my clients in the afternoon, and repeat this cycle. And then weekends, I was up super late. When Dr. Martin started to paint the picture of what this all looks like, we talked about a couple of different things, which I'll break down later in this. Sleep environment, sleep hygiene, which isn't her favorite word anymore. Um, and then the habits that fall into those two areas. So from then on, I really started to go, wow, I could be stronger, faster, more prepared for clients, more prepared for exercise, more prepared to get less agitated. I mean, when you have not slept, the likelihood that you start to feel antsy or agitated around other people, for me, seemed to be higher. So when I was well-rested, it's much better at relationship management with clients. The other thing that she talked a lot about was blue light exposure. And at the time, this felt very like kind of woo-woo or woo-woo adjacent. Like, I'm not going to wear these silly glasses every time I go to sleep. That seems so dumb. Um, but I just didn't have a big enough why. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a little excerpt here. This is from health.harvard.edu, and they are a consumer health education division of Harvard Medical School. But I'm going to read this verbatim, and then we'll talk a little bit about it. But it's directly about blue light exposure. So while light of any kind can suppress the secretion of melatonin, blue light at night does so more powerfully. Harvard researchers and their colleagues conducted an experiment comparing the effects of six and a half hours of exposure to blue light to exposure to green light of comparable brightness. The blue light suppressed melatonin for about twice as long as the green light and shifted circadian rhythms by twice as much, three hours versus an hour and a half. In another study of blue light, researchers at the University of Toronto compared the melatonin levels of people exposed to bright indoor lights who were wearing blue light blocking goggles to people exposed to regular dim light without wearing goggles. The fact that the levels of the hormone were about the same in the two groups strengthens the hypothesis that blue light is a potent suppressor of melatonin. It also suggests that shift workers and night owls could perhaps protect themselves if they wore eyewear that blocks blue light. Inexpensive sunglasses with orange tinted lenses block blue light, but they are also blockers of other colors, so they're not suitable for use indoors or at night. Glasses that block out only blue light can cost as little as $80. So when we talk about, you've probably heard of melatonin. Melatonin is something that's made in our body that helps us fall asleep. 
So if you are exposing yourself to blue light, like cell phones, computers, right before bed, trying to get to sleep, you're actually preventing your body from secreting the thing that it actually needs to go to sleep anyway. So I overnight stopped using my phone in bed. And the most important thing that we did, well, I did at the time, and then later my fiance and I, move the phone outside of the bedroom. Eliminate the temptation completely. Same with computer, keep it in an office. And I'll be honest, what happened for the first several months was nothing changed. And the only thing that I felt was aggravation that I was up late and bored because now I didn't have a phone to scroll through to try to entertain myself. I was just sitting there trying to go to bed, which is infuriating. It's a horrible habit to try to tackle. But I can say now on the other side of it, my ability to fall asleep is tenfold improved. I can be asleep in 10 minutes every single night. And it's because I stopped exposing myself to blue light to better promote my body to get back on this natural cycle that it has. We all have a cycle of wanting to go back to bed. We need sleep to function. You can't be awake forever. So letting your body do as much of that natural process as it can is huge. And if the benefits are that you're going to secrete more growth hormone and be able to build muscle and perform better for the purpose of this podcast, which is athletic performance, why would you not want to take up any opportunity to do that naturally? So this brings me to, to an important point, which is a concept that she described as sleep environments, which I guess is a fancy way of saying a bedroom. When you walk into your bedroom, the simplest thing to do is stop, look at it, and ask yourself if this looks like in a place that is promoting sleep. And I know that sounds kind of trivial, but it's very apparent. If you look at your bed and directly in front of your bed is a TV, that's just a station for blue light exposure. If you look on your bed and your phone's there and then the charger is right next to your bed, it's going to be very hard to, dif- to distance yourself from that. If there's dogs in the bed, pets in the bed. I mean, we sleep with our cat, but we are making a conscious decision (laughs) to forego quality sleep (laughs) sometimes because we love our pet. But she talked about this, about pet owners that allow their dogs to sleep in their bed and disrupt sleep patterns. It's a trade-off, right? If that's something that's important to you, you do it. But if you look into this sleep environment and it looks like a place where you expose yourself to entertainment and pets do whatever they want and There's nothing that winds you down, that kind of puts you in that position where, hey, this room is actually to go to bed. It's going to be very hard to make that happen. There's a lot of psychological cueing that goes along with sleep. And it's something that I've honestly struggled with with clients to help bridge this gap of how do we convert the sleeping area into an improved space for that, something that really promotes rest, doesn't promote stimulation. Because the other problem with being stimulated by your phone, for example, scrolling endlessly when you're trying to go to bed, is a phone will give you what you want. We know that algorithmically, all these social apps are designed to give us things that we're interested in. So if you're scrolling through and you're constantly being shown things that you like or news, those are going to trigger different emotions in your head. So if you are shown news and that triggers sadness, happiness, excitement, despair, frustration, that's going to get you on a thought track. Whereas if you're not exposing yourself to that, 
in the initial short term, it's very hard to distance yourself from the stimulation. But if you can get beyond that, it'll be much easier to step into your bedroom and go to sleep. Now, things challenge that endlessly, like children, pets, noise outside. But you want to take all of those different elements and control as much as you possibly can so that you're giving yourself the best opportunity to get rest so that you can let all these natural processes happen, position yourself to be recovered, and then with recovery, you can go and perform and do the things you love to do. I am blown away at how many basketball games players play in a season. You think of actually how many they play and how often they must be on a plane flying. They have to be prioritizing their sleep in some very interesting way because I can barely sleep on a plane and I'm 5'10". Those kind of sport trade-offs really just blow my mind. I would love to have someone on here who understands that better, but I think about that a lot with how are the top athletes who are constantly traveling performing at their best, are they sleeping? Are they prioritizing that? Or are they letting it fall by the wayside and just making up for it in the off season? I don't know. But there's a whole whole element of circadian rhythm to this too that Dr. Martin talks about in episode 37 that really starts to paint the picture of this cycle that your body is on, its drive to get sleep, its desire to be awake, and how those change throughout the day ultimately to arrive at a point where you can then go to bed and you want to go to bed and you're ready to go to bed and you're not stimulated by things that are taking away from your opportunity to go to bed. So beginning to affect your sleep environment, that was something that totally changed my ability and opportunity to sleep better. Now our bedroom has no electronics in it at all. Everything is plugged in outside of the room. And now the first rebuttal I always hear from people is, yeah, but I use my phone to wake up. Okay, buy an alarm. I mean, there are incredible alarms that you can program to play you wonderful music in the morning at a very specific time. You don't need your phone to wake up. And if you do, you could even have your phone just outside your room or in your bathroom and hear the alarm and then forced to get up and out of bed and go turn it off in the morning. So... Using your phone as an alarm, I don't believe is a very good excuse to keep electronics in the bedroom. Taking the TV out of the bedroom is very easy to do. If someone, quote, needs the TV to fall asleep, then start getting used to watching it in the living room. And then when you start to feel tired, get into the bedroom. Train yourself to start to see the bedroom as a place where you go and rest. And I, I swear, when you get on the other side of this and you start improving your sleep, it is mind-blowing how effective that becomes. I really can't be in my bedroom longer than 30 minutes at night without starting to feel tired, getting in bed, and going to sleep. It took a long time, and it was infuriating in the beginning. It really was. I kid you not. A lot of annoying nights where I could not fall asleep, but being able to rest and feel rested every single day, it is the thing that allows me to perform at my best constantly with a high, high frequency of activity. So... The other th component to this is, is something that Dr. Martin didn't love, but this idea of sleep hygiene, which is how you treat your sleep habits. To what degree are you pursuing them? If they are important, why? If they're not important, find a why. If you don't care about sleeping more and you have no reason to, you're not going to. If you feel like you're never recovered for the sports that you love to do, every time you train, you feel like 
you can't really get moving or you feel like you warm up really late, you're suffering from injury. All of these kind of things begin first with sleep and then everything else. I think that if I could get clients, whether they're pursuing weight loss, strength gain, athletic performance, no matter what it is, the very first thing, if I had a light switch that I could just turn on and change it for them, and the options could be how they choose food habits, what food they have in their house, frequency at the gym, how they prioritize exercise around work and family. The number one thing absolutely unanimously that I would choose to do is improve their sleep 100,000%. You don't understand it until it starts to happen. And for me, I used, as part of my hygiene, I used a sleep tracker. So I used the Apple Watch, I downloaded an app, I would make sure it was charged at night because I wanted to see if these efforts that I was making were having any payoff. And I will say a little caveat for, for sleep trackers. The accuracy is varied. From clients using them, from talking to Dr. Martin, it seems that the Aura Ring is the most reliable. The others, like I use the Apple Watch, I really don't think it's 100%, but if you're using the same thing every single time, the delta is the same and you can measure progress. It's just like using a food tracking app. It doesn't have to be 100% to be valuable. But I will say this, once you understand the data and you can make choices from it, try to operate without it because you don't want to become a slave to the technology that you're using. I see this happen a lot of times with Whoop. People will use a Whoop to better understand whether or not they're recovered for activity that day. But beyond a certain point, it gets to where they actually lose sight of how they really feel and they look to Whoop to tell them how they feel. So you can get into the habit of waking up, being unsure about how you feel, checking your watch and going, oh, I slept enough. Or feeling good, looking at your watch and going, oh, wow, I didn't sleep at all. Like you need to be in tune with that process. As soon as you use the technology to create the habit and understand the data, then make the changes, ditch the technology, and then master the changes. And then use it to check in in the future. You can always throw it back on and then test. When, when we got a puppy, I did exactly this. I, I was super concerned about how well I was sleeping and whether or not I should change my training output. So I started to wear the watch while we had the dog to see how much is this dog affecting my sleep. Caution to new dog owners. It totally throttled my sleep. I mean, it went from seven and a half hours to three hours some nights. Like it was horrible. But I was using that to really get a gauge and understand how I was feeling because I was a little disoriented with having the new dog. I'm sure this is only 10x when you have a child. But overall point here is use the technology to understand your patterns and the data make changes, and then move on from it. And then use it as a checkup in the future, but don't become reliant on that thing to tell you how you're sleeping, to tell you how you're ready for exercise, because you want that to be an internal feeling. So I'll get back to this uh, this final piece. This is my sleep hack. It's gonna be so stupid, but it really was a game changer. And it's <laughs> the habit of reading but specifically reading on a Kindle. I had a client get me a Kindle years ago. I never used it. Uh, I didn't really see a purpose for it. And then I I got very bored of not having my phone or computer in the bed. And so I started using the Kindle to read books. The reason that I love it so much 
is it really reduces, it's actually no blue light on it. So you're not going to get that stimulation that we talked about in the beginning. You can backlight it with a dark screen. So you can actually make the, the words lighter and then the background dark versus a book where you have to light the whole book and then you see the black text against the white background. So this really starts to, it's almost like it makes it tough for your eyes to read without getting tired. So when I get in bed, I usually do every night at 8.30, I do a stretch routine for 20 minutes, then I get in bed. When I start reading, I can't make it 15 minutes. I really can't. I mean, I try and I can't. Something about the black background with the white text and then no other light in the room, no technology in or around the bed, just puts me in the state where I fall asleep. And what's beautiful about this is that it's versatile with travel. Because that's another thing that I didn't get to touch on here is how you could have great sleep habits at home. The second that you go international or to another place domestically, visit family, friends, you change that sleep environment, you disrupt your habits. Now you're, you're sleeping horribly. And maybe when I travel, I don't get the best quality sleep. But bringing a Kindle, it repeats that habit at home. And it makes falling asleep very easy. So when we were in Germany this year, brought it totally solved that problem. As soon as I get back home, I use that all the time. Something about reading fiction also just completely shuts my mind down and gets me ready for sleep. So Kindle's like 40 bucks and it is a massive recovery hack for me. Uh, I don't know really what I would do without that because reading regular text, although I like uh, paperback or like holding the book, the whole light situation is super annoying to me. So this helps me just Read, fall asleep, and recover. I can't, I can't really overestimate how, how much investing in your own sleep matters. There are so many tools out there now. There's beds that can be cooled and heated to different temperatures so that you and your partner like the room at a different temperature. You can sleep and they can sleep. There's a, I use mouth tape. There's so many different things that you can do to improve your sleep habits now because it's a thing. But when you do it, it is a game changer. It will be the biggest impact on your recovery, far more than a cold plunge, way more than a sauna, way more than taking ZMA at night, way more than getting a massage every week. I mean, whatever the thing is that you think is the best tool for your recovery, there is no way that it's going to beat sleep. And to put my money where my mouth is, I'm going to do my best to get Dr. Jennifer Martin back on here to review some of the new data that she found out. She goes to a conference every single year where they bring tons of doctors throughout the country together to discuss sleep, to discuss the most recent research, and decide and sift through it all so that they can implement protocols to the public. So we're going to try to get her back on here. She is an incredible mind when it comes to sleep. And I hope that this episode has hit in some way uh, and promoted a desire to try to improve your rest. Because if you can, you're going to perform better. Thanks for tuning in to another 30-minute Thursdays. I hope you're enjoying these episodes. If you are and you're here right now and you're with me listening, please smash that five-star review button on Spotify or Apple. It really means so much for the show. It helps push things along organically, which is really important to me. I want this to be a show that grows through community members, through people that listen to it, not through paid advertisement. 
not through SEO, just from word of mouth from people that are fans. So if you're listening to this, please leave a five-star review. I really appreciate it. I cannot wait to be back next week for the fourth 30-Minute Thursdays. Yeah.